and welcome to Church for the Cities podcast in Yuma, Arizona with lead pastor Tyrone P. Jones. Our mission is for people to encounter the reality and presence of God. For sermon videos and next steps, visit us at ctcfamily.com. Now join us for the message. Well, listen, it's, it's always an honor to introduce uh, our guests and those who come from various places, Pastor Bob McGregor, uh, pastors uh, uh, Harvest City Harvest Church or Harvest City Church in Vancouver, uh, Washington. He's a friend of the house, and uh, he has been been here before. I think the first time he came, I said 2006. It might have been 2005. Uh, but uh, Pastor Bob is is um, a friend. He's not only he's like second overseer of our ministerial fellowship, Ministers Fellowship International. He's been a mentor uh, in my life. He's, he's just poured into me. I, I won't share the whole story, but I've said it time and time again on one of the worst days of my life, probably the worst day of my life. I called Pastor Bob. Uh, he answered the phone and got on a plane and flew down to Yuma, Arizona to be with me that night. I'm telling you, that's, that's a friend. That's a friend. Uh, I'm just going to drop this on you. A friend is not the one who'll give you their gift. A friend is the one that'll give you them. And Pastor Bob McGregor has given me himself time and time again. We're wrapping up this series on Below the Surface. We've been dealing with emotional, healthy spirituality. And Pastor Bob McGregor is so jacked up, I thought he'd be a good one to come in and tell us how to get out of it. But no, but no, he has a life story. That's okay. All right. All right. Everybody stand on your feet. I want to introduce my friend, Pastor Bob McGregor. Thank you. Thank you, OJ. All right, we're on. We're on? You hear me? I'm not yelling. You may be seated. It's so good to be here. And, uh, and uh, we've got a full week here. We're going to be doing a number of things. But uh, speaking to uh, the interns tonight. And I uh, guess, uh, guess we're bringing back some old interns. And I think that's a great tribute to your internship program that you could, you could ask the alumni to come back and they just... Our condition, like Pavlov's dogs, to obey at a what kind of cult you operate in here, Tyrone? No, I'm just but uh, no, I'm looking forward to tonight ministering to them, dealing with your middle tier leaders. I don't know really the group I'm speaking to at lunch, and uh, dealing with pastors this week, doing a seminar on anxiety and depression and fear, and healing those things in the church. And uh, it's a subject that's uh, dear to my heart that I want to equip churches in this particular realm to get people set free. I'm going to talk a little bit about that uh, tonight. I, I, uh, I always like to get a little prophetic and, uh, you know, in services, just to bring a little God factor down and, you know, is the guy legit or is he just blabbing something and come on and uh, bring some validation, not to me, but to Jesus' presence here because this is a great church. Your pastors are great people and uh, There's a great church. I have a prophetic word just for the church. It dropped in my heart last service, and I didn't share it. But it's the word Tyrone explosion. And uh, I'm not going to give you a date. You know, you don't prophesy dates and mates. Okay, you have to stay away from those things. But, uh, but there's an explosion coming to this church. I already know that it's been a great, some great years. Of course, COVID hit, and and 2020 has been one of the weirdest years, I think, in most of all of our lifetimes. 
And uh, I like that commercial. It's on TV. The guy gets out. It's like an apartment complex in New York, and he's singing that Oklahoma song. You know, oh, what a beautiful morning. <laughs> Finally, he picks up a paper, and in front of it says 2020 with a question mark. Seriously? <laughs> and then he goes back into a Zoom meeting, just bored. But uh, been t- t- rough years. But there's an explosion coming to this house. I'm not going to tell you when, but there's going to be a real increase of growth. And uh, you're going you're gonna to deal with a lot of uh, backslidden people, what we would use that adjective in the body of Christ. And matters of your meaning or Calvinist. Calvinist, well, you can't be backslidden. You're, okay, well, okay, call it what you want. Okay, but they're coming back, okay? And they haven't been walking with the Lord. And, uh, and it's going to be exciting because a lot of you are going to be very, very busy. And so I, I, great days are ahead of this church. I just want to encourage you. I, I feel it in the spirit. I'm excited about the young people. Anytime you got got young people like you got, it's always excited, always excited. I got a word for my sister right staring right at me, second row. Yeah, stand up. Amen. And uh, what, what a beautiful person you are. And uh, wow. You, uh, you are so tender, you could hardly step on an ant. I mean, you're just... You're self-conscious, like I stepped on that ant and it's just really horrible. You know, it's just a, you second guess and evaluate yourself and examining your heart all the time. But here's, here's, the, here's the issue. Besides your great, intense tenderness, you're brilliant. And uh, you have a great mind. And, and uh, God's going to take the two together in you and there's going to be a ministry of counsel that's going to come upon you. And um, you, you'll have a great empathy to listen, and you're going to have a great wisdom to share. Some of it is from your own rough, rough journey, and some of it is just from the things you learned in your own studies. And uh, you're, the, the Lord's like putting all the factors of your life together for a platform really to bring healing. Here's 2 Corinthians 1, 6. For the comfort by which God has comforted us, so we comfort you. And uh, that is your portion. Lord, release that in, in the name of Jesus. We thank you so much for her heart, her beautiful, beautiful heart. And, uh, you know, I just want to say one kind of a tender-hearted person to another. I guess it's not good for a guy just to say, I'm tender-hearted, just ask me. But uh, I, I used to have a real prohibitive conscience. I, it's getting sloppy. Now, but uh, once I've gotten free, I got a little bit looser. But you kind of have that where, you know, if Tyrone says, I need to see you, oh, what did I do? Okay, and the Lord's going to release you from that. Self-examination, self-introspection, okay, all these things. The enemy's taken advantage of your life and robbed you from a lot of joy of being his daughter. Okay, God's taken that away in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And. And, and the couple next to you right here, I'm just attracted to you two. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you are a couple. Could you stand up, hey man, if you could? Uh, man, I, I, uh, you guys are just in love with Jesus. It's just unbelievable. It's, it's quite obvious. I didn't need a word of knowledge that it's all over you, the way you worship your heart. But man, you just, you're just going to, you've said to yourself, we're just going to be used to the last breath. And uh, as our days are... So shall our strength be. And uh, you just want to be used. There is ministry background in you. 
and uh, you know, but you're just not gonna. You're kind of like a retread tire. Okay, you're getting retreaded. But you're not getting thrown off into the junkyard. You refuse to be because you really want to be used, yes. especially in the area of healing. Come on, come on. There's a healing gift. You're gonna be. Do you remember Tyrone, the Happy Hunters? Oh, you remember them? You guys remember the happy hunters? They, they ran around. They were, their, their names were Hunter, and they were happy. And, uh, and they just prayed as a husband and wife team. And there's going to be, I guess, see around your house and other places, you're constantly laying hands on people. We're going to see what Jesus is going to do, laying hands. Miracles are going to take place. Healings are going to take place. Doctor reports are going to come back differently. And there's just going to be a ministry. You just... You guys just believe the Word of God. You stand on the Word of God. No matter what's going on, it doesn't shake you. You're unshakable, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So, Father, bless them in Jesus' name. We thank you for people like this that are going to be strong in, the, in these years of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I think one of the other wonderful things about this church... Tyrone, is that it's, you know, you got specialist church. You know, my, my son-in-law, Chad Beach, yes, if you know Chad Beach, he's my son-in-law. I, I, I used to be known for who I was. I'm known for who my daughter married now. And, uh, but, you know, Chad's a millennial church. I mean, he's got 90% of his church is probably single and millennial. But, uh, but you're going to be a multi-generational church. And uh, because of that, it's going to have a, a, a growing, growing impact in the city because of the diversity both racially, diversity in age and generation, and, I, and especially, Tyrone, I just want to say your great honor for women and uh, is going to release that. I, I just want to say this is the age of God releasing his daughters. Come on, amen? Amen. Come on. Release. Release. Everyone's, everyone's arguing how far can she go? Let's, let's just, let's get good. The Holy Spirit doesn't have any gender bias. A amen? All the ladies said Amen. Come on, come on. You guys go after that thing. We're going to see God do great things, and there's going to be an attraction to this church. It's a new day, and your church is a church for a new day. All right, so my, I'm going to talk to you a little bit. As I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be dealing uh, this week with depression, anxiety, and fear. And the reason why I came up with this seminar is because uh, I, for about half my adult life, I'm taking like from 18, 20 on, I, I, I suffered severely from anxiety, fear, and depression. I became a born-again Christian at the age of 21. I was preaching the gospel. I mean, my first day being a Christian, I preached. I went to I went to a jail and preached the gospel. I, I've been preaching the gospel out of the gate. You know, I didn't, I didn't get any like preparation time. You're not ready. I just got touched and started preaching. And uh, but yet I was tormented by a lot of things from my childhood and a lot of things that took place in my life. And it took me a long time to overcome those things. And I, I feel like I, I wasted a lot of years because if you suffer from anxiety, if you're here today, or, or fears or deep depression, it takes you out. It takes you out relationally. It takes you out productively. It takes you out. And of course, my seminar is the things that God has taught me and, and the things that I've learned to help people move forward. I've worked with hundreds of people and a lot of leaders in the body of Christ. And uh, the one thing I can came a conclusion, I can give a, come to a conclusion after working with all these people is that uh, really people are really, they, they have a dark side. Every one of you here has a dark side. Every one of you who's married to someone, they and you have a dark side. And all the married ones said, amen. Uh, there's just a dark side to us. And, 
And uh, we don't want to admit that because we've got kind of a doctrine of sanctification. It's kind of an instant thing. Especially when I'm dealing with people who I got saved in the Jesus people movement back in the 60s. You know, we just believed Jesus and we got rid of our heroin. We broke our surfboards. Praise God, I haven't turned back. And, you know, you know, but I'd like to talk to you about, you know, how loud you are in church. You offended the person next to you. Don't you talk to me like that. Okay, but you're, you're so sanctified. You're so sanctified. We got other issues besides I don't smoke and chew and hang around with those who do. Okay, we have other issues besides I used to run, you know, in, in crime, but, but, but I don't run in crime anymore. And those things are wonderful, and we, and we should be coming out of Egypt. But, you know, God got the children of Israel out of Egypt, but it took them a while to get Egypt out of the children of Israel, didn't it? And so we're, we're, we're dealing with a different type of sanctification. We go a little bit deeper than just, you know, the big sins. We go, we go deep into the way we relate to each other, and we talk to each other, and we approach life, and... And, and so the title of, and, and here's the issue, we suffer because of that, and the people who relate to us suffer because of that. So the title of my sermon to, for you today is, Does the Gospel Work? And of course, I have a tagline, Hope for the Miserable Christian. And uh, if you're a miserable Christian, you're in a good place today. I, my goal in my heart, and I, I say that jokingly, but I say that also seriously, I was a miserable Christian. And to bring you into a place of enjoyment of God in the Westminster Confession, says that it's man's whole duty is to enjoy God. Now, you know, well, that doesn't sound good. It's to enjoy Jesus. Augustine said this, love God with all your heart and do whatever you want. You know, if you love God with all your heart, it's all settled. You know what you're going to do, amen? So my text is Isaiah 41, let's get in, or excuse me, 42, verse 21 to 22. Here we go. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness sake, to magnify his law and make it glorious. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Amen? I mean, Paul says the power of God to, uh, to salvation. Now, he didn't say how it's the power of God. Now, part of it is what it contains. Because for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. That's what makes it so powerful. How someone can have a relationship with God by contacting God by faith. That everything in their life can be reversed by just believing grabbing, grasping, embracing. And right there at that moment, you're declared righteous. You're not, you know, part righteous. You're not on righteousness probation. You are declared righteous. So you'll never be more righteous than you are right now before God. Well, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 you, you won't be any more righteous because you're righteous by faith. Abraham believed God, and God accredited him with righteousness. You are, you are completely righteous. Abraham had some issues after that. Lied a few times, you know. Sarah's my sister. Come on, God in a good plan. Let's get Hagar you know, pregnant and let Ishmael live before you. And, I mean, he had his issues. Abraham had his issues. And, uh, but yet God said, you're righteous. You're righteous. You got your issues, but you're righteous before God. It's a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. The, the gospel is wonderful, but a lot of people are not experiencing the fullness of that gospel. And we're going to be talking about why they don't <clears throat> experience the fullness of that gospel. Why they're righteous, but they're miserable. They're righteous, but they're hurting. They're righteous, but relationships aren't going real well. They're righteous, but they can't stay in a church long enough. You know, I tell people to become part of City Harvest Church, I say, we're going to offend you because humans offend humans. And we think it's a good thing. People say, oh, you're such a wonderful pastor. I say, you don't know me yet. 
wait till I offend you and then tell me I'm a wonderful pastor. And then we're going to have to dig in and get working through it. People tell me we're leaving City Harvest Church because it's no longer a safe place. And I say, well, I'm jealous because you get to go and I have to stay. <laughs> Come on, we, we have ways of biting and devouring each other, as Paul said in Galatians. Okay, relationships are tough. The gospel's got to work down into stuff. It's got to work into me psychologically and mentally and relationally and emotionally and all these things. And so, he makes his law glorious, but notice the people. This is a people plundered, looted. They're all trapped in holes. They're hidden in prisons. They've become plunder and none to rescue. They've become spoil, and no one says restore. So when I go to places like, you know, my son-in-law's got great conferences, and I, I love going to them, Zoe, Zoe uh, conference is a great conference in the summertime where I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm the kind of the brainchild behind what you would know, what's it called, the one now up at Mana House? Okay, I, that was my baby back in the day. I created it. It was a sellout crowd of 143 people showed up. But, <laughs> but when I see, you know, thousands of young people, they got their hands up and they're pumped up, you know, because of, my, of course, my childhood experiences and my teen experiences. Which when I do surveys, 50% of people love their high school years. 50% of people hated their high school years. You know, I'm going to look at these hands are raised. I'm saying, how many kids are suicidal? How many kids feel unloved? How many kids feel like they're no good? How many kids are comparing themselves right now? How many kids, you know, go home hungry? How many kids are, are tormented with things that they just can't get rid of? How many people are just they're broken because they've never met their dad or they're in a dysfunctional situation, or they live in a hoarder's home like I did. You know, how many of these kids are bleeding inside, but we're just having a great time in Jesus? Now, I think having a great time in Jesus is good. Time to talk about these things is not at a wedding, okay? It's time to party, amen? But there's, but there's a time for every purpose under heaven to stop life and let's talk, because just being excited about Jesus is not enough. It's wonderful, I think it's needed, Come on, medicine goes down better with sugar. Come on, we, we, we want the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength and everything else. But come on, we are. We also got to get healed. Yeah. Yeah. So three challenges in proclaiming the gospel. It's a challenge to me. It's a challenge to your pastor. It's a challenge to anybody in leadership here where you're preaching the gospel to people. The three challenges are this. We got to interpret it, and I got adverbs here, correctly. Now, a lot of people do, do not <coughs> basically share the gospel accurately, correctly. In other words, a text in Scripture can only mean what it was meant to mean. I don't care what Jesus tells you. The Lord told me in the Spirit. Okay, I, I, it doesn't matter. It can only mean what it was meant to mean. Now, I'm going to say later, Jesus is the highest revelation of God, and we have a revelation of him through this Scripture. And the things about Jesus and the things pointing to Jesus, they can only mean what they were meant to mean. They can't mean anything else. And so it's very important. You say, well, that sounds kind of boring. I want to get revelation. I want to get the spirit of revelation. I want my eyes open. Yeah, I do too. But I've got to make sure that I don't try to read into this thing, that I'm drawing out what it says. And so it can only mean what it's intended to mean. And when I do that, and I share the verse like it's intended to mean it, power is released through that. The anointing is released through that. You know, I love youth pastors. I, I love teasing them because I was a youth pastor for so long. They, they read a text, and then they preach for 45 minutes, nothing about that text. 
with a bunch of one-liners, you know. And all the kids are just cheering, you know. Can't do the thing until you got the ring. Yeah, 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 yeah. How cute. How cute. Let's go back to the verse. You read a beautiful verse, though. Let's break that puppy down. We've got to interpret it correctly. The second is that we've got to, we've got to be implementing it in, in my daily life deeply. Okay, it's one thing for me to understand it. It's another thing, now, how do I make this thing work? I've got to reflect on Jesus. Yes, it is. WWJD, what would Jesus do? Come on. I am to follow his example. I am a disciple. You are a disciple. We are called to follow him. How did he live? What did he teach? Now, Paul quotes in Acts 20 to the elders of Ephesus. He says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, it's nowhere. That verse is nowhere found in the four Gospels. And so that's a word that they didn't get in the memoirs of the apostles. But it was still from Jesus. Come on, so Jesus says that, then, then I got to... I got to get into the happiness of giving. You know, people, I got to give a tenth of my money. I mean, come on, let's get bigger. Let's, let's let that be the beginning of giving. I'm not here just to raise money for you, but let's just, but that's not to just to the church. Maybe we got family members that need money, and then maybe the person on the street needs money, and maybe my neighbor needs money. And, you know, I'm always blessed when my wife says, well, let's try to check to these people right over here. Just go ahead. Anytime she wants me, just go ahead, no matter what it is. Just go ahead. Just write that check. Just go ahead. More blessed to give than receive. Why? Because we reflect deeply upon Jesus. You see, what's happening is, is I'm, I'm becoming, and you're becoming who he says you and I are. I'm becoming that. You know, I, I love coaching. I really love to coach. I coached five years of high school football. And... Uh, um, and, and so did Tyrone. Tyrone was the, was the kicking coach. You kick. You, you still coach? The kick up. You still coach? They got fired from. You, you, the punts weren't too good, huh? And, uh, I love to coach, but I love to. I love to call potential out of people. There's just something about affirmation. There's just something that I see in you that that does something to you, and vice versa. I remember when, you know, when I was going through all my torment uh, as a young man, I was in Bible college, and I was excited. I was a young married, I had a baby at home, and the, the, the preacher, Leonard Fox, came by. Remember Leonard Fox, Tyrone? And he was like a bull. He's like General Patton, you know, in the kingdom of God. And he walked by me, and he says, how's the man of God today? And you know what? I, I, just, I, I lived on that for like a week. I am a man of God. He called me a man of God. I mean, I, 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 that's how much affirmation I need. I'm a man of God. Come on, I like calling athletes out. Come on, you got a 4-2-40 in you. Right now you're running 5-2 because you're lazy, but, you got, <laughs> but I, you, there's a 4-2 in you, and I'm going to get that 4-2 out of you. Now I'm going to kill you to do it, but you got a 4-2 in you. Come on, call people to greatness. Call people to greatness. And God... Is, is, call it, is making us to become who he says we are. Third is maintaining this gospel as the center of my life daily. I think it, I pray it, I examine myself, I, 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 I look for opportunities to become like Jesus. And you know, we, you think, well, it's not little things. It's little things, guys. Heard a preacher talk about just when you go to the grocery store as a pastor, just... 
you know, make sure you put the, gar gar uh, the grocery cart not just dangling in the parking lot, but put it back in that little aisle thing that you put it. And I got really convicted. I said, I'm going to do that. He says, people are watching you. So I was at Whole Foods here about five years ago, and that was one of my habits, and I do it every time. I grab grocery carts, and I put them in the, put them in the little thing that they got so the guy's kid's not running all over the perimeter of the parking lot. And someone about two weeks later found someone in our church. and said, I saw your pastor at Whole Foods. And I was wondering to myself, I wonder what he's going to do with that grocery cart. And I was so happy that I o obeyed my conscience that day. <laughs> people are watching. Jesus to be demonstrated. Jesus loves people. He loves people who don't like him. He loves people who don't think right. He loves people you don't like. Come on, come on. And we're forgetting this in the body of Christ that we're on a mission. Someone said, you know what a Christian is? A Christian is, you're known for a Christian what you stand for. I, I disagree with that. You're a Christian if you're engaged in the mission of God. They don't care what I stand for. They care that they're hurting and bleeding and confused and deceived and in bondage to demons. I got to get them free. I can be on a soapbox all day, but I'm, I'm called, and you are called to be on a mission. Get off my soapbox. Here we go. What is the gospel? I went to the man, Timothy Keller, because I love Timothy Keller's writings, one of the great apologists of our times. This is how he defined the gospel. Through the person and the work of Jesus Christ, God fully accomplishes salvation for us. He fully does. Come on, you don't need to add to your righteousness. You are righteous. You go home today, you tell your wife, I am righteous. She complains that you left dishes you didn't put in the dishwasher. You know I'm righteous, don't you? play it. it. It works. It works. I'm righteous. Maybe you are positionally, but definitely not experientially. Come on. I am gone my way to heaven. I have. I not will. I have eternal life. Okay. Rescuing us from the judgment for sin. That's a wonderful thing. I'm no longer under condemnation. Now, I know, Bob, this is just like ABCs, but you know how many Christians don't get this? I'm not under condemnation. And then I'm, for sin, into fellowship with him. I, I have a relationship with him. I have access to the Father by the Spirit. I have, I have the ticket to come right in to the presence of God. You know, when my kids were younger and uh, people had to have an appointment to see me at the church, my kids went by the receptionist and went into the hallways and went right into my office. I mean, we were coming right in. They, why? Because they're my kids. So they, and they, just, that's, they, they knew who dad was. Well, we, we, we get God as our dad. You know, the word Abba, you know, we have not received the spirit of, of fear to be tormented like slaves, Romans 8 tells us, but we received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba. They still use that in, in Israel today, if you're, you're in a park in Jerusalem and the kids run after his dad, Abba, Abba. It's Papa, it's Daddy. You go YWAM missionaries, they, they, they love to call God Dad. He said, well, that's rather irreverent. But I was in Kabul, Afghanistan, and a young couple, blonde, about as white as you come, Danish looking, two little kids. They're at this little house that was the YWAM base right in the middle of Kabul, they said, Pastor, you pray for us. We have one way, we have enough money for a one-way ticket to Kurzatov. Uh, I think it was uh, 
Kazatan. And we're going to take these donkeys up into the mountains to these people that are unreached. We believe, we believe Dad wants us to go. With our two little kids, one way, no money, way into the heart of the kingdom of darkness. Would you pray? You know, because we want to know if Dad wants us to go. Prayed, and the Lord said, yep, I want them to go. And they went. They lasted two years up there. God did a mighty work. And then he got deported. He gets, this guy gets deported out of everywhere because he's so intense for Jesus. But, but God is just not God. God's dad. Well, we are called into relationship. But here's the part I want to bring to your attention. Then restores the creation in which we can enjoy our new life together with him. He restores the creation. And here's the issue. Back to people who have been plundered. Back to people who have been spoiled. Back to people who have been looted. Come on. They're, they're, not, they're not healthy. They, 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 have, they can talk to Jesus. They're righteous. They're on their way to heaven. But they haven't gotten restored. The gospel hasn't been either correctly interpreted or, or, or deeply implemented. And it definitely has not been maintained as the center of their life or the center of the church's life daily. And we're getting people out of the graves. We just, but Jesus also said, unwrap them. I mean, I love that song. I forget who sings it. Out of the Bethel group, you know, come out of the graves. You know, oh, dead men. Oh, yeah. What's the name of that song? Oh, yeah. Come on. I love that. I love that when they're chanting it, you know, come out of there. Boom, boom. I work out to it, you know. I'm all pumped out, you know. I love dead men coming out of the graves. Come on. Come out of that grave. But you know what? They come out of that grave. Then we say, hey, we had a concert. We had a, we had a rally. We had a, we had a worship thing. We, we had a conference. It's great. Yay. He came out of the graves. Oh, he's got grave clothes on. He smells. He stinketh, as it says in the King James. Stinketh. We got to get the grave clothes off of them. So let's go to this phrase here. Then restores the creation in which we can enjoy our new life together with him, not just forever, but present. Eternal life is now. Everyone say now. Now. This is eternal life, Jesus says, that they would know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 17, 3. Now, restores the creation, not just getting a pass from hell, restores creation, not just, not just uh, you know, I got a relationship with them, restores now, not that I just became part of one of the dream teams in the church, and I, don't, I, I, I was telling the first service that my, my successor, who's now running our church right now, before I give it to him completely, he's, he's, his middle name is Teams, we're on this team and this team, and it's great, okay, but you can be on a team and miserable inside. You can be a Bible college or an internship program, be miserable inside. You can be a preacher and miserable inside. Well, we can be bleeding, hurting. My wife and I were, we had an appointment with a couple getting married. It was kind of like they, they're, they're part of their premarital process to have a night with us just to ask us anything they want to ask us. And we were at this restaurant, and uh, this is not too long ago. This is probably about eight years ago, seven years ago. And I'm thinking, my wife and I are doing really well, and we're great. We've been married so long, and we, we forgot what it was like being not married. And the wife-to-be asked us, what was the biggest obstacle you ever had to overcome in your marriage? I thought it was a very profound question. Most time, 
newlyweds or premarital people, they don't know what to ask. They just want to get married. And uh, then they come back afterwards. You never told us about that. Yeah, I did, but you were deaf. Okay, you had Google eyes. You you woke up. You got got (laughs) woke. And and I was ready to say something, and my wife stepped in. And for about 20 minutes, she talked about living with me with my mood disorder. And, And I realized at that point how much she suffered as I had to find the keys to overcome some things that tormented our marriage, tormented our family, and you wouldn't know it unless you were around long enough. It broke me. Now I was thankful that Jesus had brought breakthrough, but she revealed something to me. Come on, Jesus wants you to become someone. And here's the issue. He's out to do it. He's out to do it. I mean, we, we got Jesus, and I'll say it at the end, we, we, we want him to be a cuddler, and he's a trainer. You know, trainers don't care if you're nauseated. Trainers don't care if you're in pain. Trainers don't care if you're being stretched. They're, they're like, they're sadistic. And, and it's not that he's, he's, he loves our pain, he loves what we are going to become. And, and I don't know why pain is such a, an ingredient to growth. But, you know, I say, I want to be more loving. Well, I can love Tyrone. Tyrone and I get along so well, and, and we have the same humor, sarcasm. It goes well with us, and it, it fits, and we love sports. And, and uh, I, I don't have to work on loving Tyrone. There's great chemistry. And I can name other people that it's a very difficult time for me to love. God just doesn't call me to love Tyrone. He has called me to love these other people. And I found being a pastor over the years, some of the people that I liked less at the beginning of their journey at our church became some of the most faithful people in the church and the people I most deeply appreciate today. And so pain has a, growth has a a pain process to it. There's no getting around it. Now, to embrace the gospel completely, we must embrace our brokenness. And uh, I know that a lot of Christians don't like to embrace their brokenness. They don't want to admit they got more things to change than uh, they want to admit because the process is first hard on the ego. It's a painful awakening. But, behind, but after it, great health, great enjoyment, great fulfillment takes place. There are a few things you got to do. First, you got to admit this. I have failed in what God had originally intended for me. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, so I have not lived and you have not lived in the, the life that Jesus intended me or intended you to live. You know, my good friend O.J. is taking care of me this morning and he and I could be flying out of Phoenix to New York City and, and his plane crashes, you know, somewhere in Albuquerque, New Mexico and, and I crashed in, uh, let's just say, Chicago, Illinois. Okay, we wanted to all, both wanted to get to New York City. It doesn't matter if I got farther, we still fell short. That's why, that's why a, a hooker and a Boy Scout are equal in the sight of God. We've got, we got to get this thing. We've got to get into the, the core of the gospel. This is a faithful saying that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Came to save sinners. 
Okay, didn't come to save just people who think that they're good. They all fell short of the glory of God. I got farther than OJ, but I, I didn't get there. God is not, I'm not living everything the way God intended me to live. The second is this, I've, I've hid from God in my failure and guilt. So how did I respond? I, I hid. When, before I was a Christian, I couldn't even open a Bible. I'd open it up. One time I opened it up, my friend had a Bible. Remember the way, the way, the Bible called the way. It was like a paperback Bible. One time I opened my roommate in college, I opened it up and I read something. Ah! Shut it down. Jesus said, men stay away from the light because they're dark, lest their darkness is exposed. That's right behind God so loved the world. We hide. We hide. We say, well, the, the, the world is hiding. No, you hide too. I hide too. I hide, baby, from divine uncomfortable appointments. I hide from... I hide from making amends. I hide from relational issues that are not going real well. I hide from people that I just don't enjoy, that sometimes ask a lot out of me and don't give a lot. And Jesus has them all there for me. I hide. You know, I was talking in the first service about Jonah. Jonah, you know, we think, oh, Jonah's a prophet. He was just not a guy that was a goofball. He was a great prophet of his time. He prophesied the expansion of Isaiah's kingdom, the expansion of the northern kingdom of Jeroboam II. He was a powerful prophet. But God told him to go to Nineveh to the Assyrians who he hated, and there was good reason why he hated them. I mean, he went to Joppa 500 miles east, or excuse me, 500 miles west of Joppa, I mean, of uh, Nineveh. And instead of going east, he goes west 2,000 miles to Tarshish, which is Spain. So I go, I'm going to go as far away as I can from where God's told me to go. And the Bible described it this way, and he fled from the presence of the Lord. How many of us are hiding from what God wants to fix, what God wants to heal, and we're actually running away in our life from the presence of God, from the favor of God, from the intimacy of God, from the healing of God, from the formation of God? He fled. And what it was so funny when the storm came and the pagans are casting lots and they're trying to figure out what's going on. It leads to it leads all, all the all the lots lead to Jonah. Jonah describes himself as this: I am a Hebrew who fears God. What a horrible self-assessment. He was running from God. He wasn't fearing God. We do the same thing. I, I've done the same thing. I you know, I've, I've had one time, I'm walking in, my, my, my assistant says, well, you got this person making an appointment. I'd be thinking to myself, why did you make an appointment with that person? <laughs> ah, why didn't you ask me first? You know, Tyrone's laughing because he's had the same experience. <laughs> same thing. Same carnal nature. One time a guy met me at Costco. Pastor, I want to introduce myself. And he gave me his name. Oh, nice meeting you, sir. Been coming to your church. I said, great, great been having you. I hope you're enjoying it. I'm one of those uncommitted people you talk about. Well, thank you. I thank you. I'm glad you defined yourself that way. Well, so I, I was talking to my elders, and this was during the 2008 recession, and I said, you know, I used to trust in big givers. That blew up in my face. Then I trusted in our tithing record, and that blew up in my face. And God's dealing with my heart. He's dealing with my heart about trusting him alone, plus nothing else. Get done with the meeting, and I walk in, and there in the foyer 
is this man who introduces himself to me at Costco two weeks before as uncommitted. And he's my three o'clock appointment. And I was just angry at my assistant. Like, why did you schedule this uncommitted guy in a busy schedule? Oh. So, come on. Hi, brother. It's good to see you. Get him in my office. He goes, you remember me? I said, I do. Remember I'm uncommitted? <laughs> I do. I, I remember that quite well. And, uh, you know, I just want, I won't take too much of your time, Pastor. Thank you. But God has blessed my wife and I, and we just wanted to, you know, give something to the church. I think just drop it in the offering sack. If you just, just put it in the back box, the back of the church. Well, you, don't, you, don't, you don't need a trombone and a ceremony to give me some money. He gives me his, the, the tithe offering envelope, and I'm talking to him, and I'm putting it in my pocket. And I remember what I said to my elders about an hour before, and I noticed a lot of zeros. And he wrote me a check for $40,000. So I started really loving this guy. <laughs> you know, I love you, you know. I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to get too carried away about that commitment stuff. I don't, I don't want you to be too offended at that. We, we appreciate any, any contribution here at the church. Come on, we all hide, don't we? Third is this, I've got to embrace this, is I have a dark side of wrong thoughts and habits that I have formed. I do. I do not, come on, for I do not do the good I want to do. Oh, wow. How many people said that to yourself? I mean, I didn't do the good I wanted to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Have you ever had a habitual addiction or habit? You go, why did I do that again? I do that again. Do it again. And, I mean, I'm just wrestling with that. And God bless you who are fighting addictions and Jesus loves you. He's in the boat. He's in the journey with you. You're going to get to the other side. Okay? Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I, it's no longer I who do it. Now, he's not making excuses. He's identifying that there's this other issue and there's this darkness in us. It's sin living in me that does it. Now, there's just something. Sometimes I just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Anybody else here like that? I don't like the world. I don't like the schedule, I don't like my day, I don't like me, I don't like my wife, I don't, I mean, I have these, I have one of those days on Friday, it's kind of like God dealing with Jonah, you know, he, he kind of raises a plant to shade him, and then he brings a worm in to eat it, and the wind to blow it away, I mean, I just, I did everything, I fell off a ladder kind of a thing on my car, I was trying to put the to convertible top on and smash hit the, you know, I had, I have an injured knee and got aches and pains, I got an abrasion in a very private place I don't want to tell you about, and uh, I just, I just wasn't in my A game. Grumpy? I wish I, you know, I left Washington to come down here to minister to where my wife was singing my praises. But she wasn't because she was living with the Grinch. And uh, sometimes I just have a dark side. I got to go and deal with that dark side. I like people who are hard on themselves. You know, people have devotions. And a devotion is not so, oh, man, the Lord just really spoke to me today. It's just he's so good. He's so comfortable. He's just so good. He's so loving. He comforted me. And it's so great. No, uh, uh, devotion should be a workout. You know, if you really train hard, you're always bragging where you're sore. Oh, my quads, oh, my abs, oh, my bites. You're, all, you're always really, really sore. You guys brag about how sore they are. Well, we should be sore from devotions. What's wrong? Ooh, you spoke to me today out of Romans. <laughs> it's 
God wants to change us. Now this dark side, the fourth thing we've got to embrace, it's, 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 it's formed coping skills to handle life. And it's damaged me mentally, and it's damaged me relationally, and it's damaged me emotionally. This is what I'm going to be dealing with the next three days. We're damaged because we have formed coping skills like obsessiveness and control and, and depression. And, and uh, we have mindsets and we have habits that we have formed because we're trying to cope with life without Jesus. And we've learned them since childhood. And that's what the root issue is and how to undo that. You know, Isaiah said in one, chapter 1, 5 to 6, Why? Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? You're, the whole head is injured, the whole heart afflicted. And the sole of the foot to the top of your head is no soundness. There's only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. Come on, we just got people who are hurting in the church. And we don't know what to do with them. There's an answer to the gospel and what to do on this. The gospel is the key. The fifth thing we've got to embrace is that Jesus died on the cross for the punishment of my sin. Come on, but the other half, and the deliverance from my sin. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Now notice this. This is not the wonderful, make you feel good part, so that we might die. Wait, he died. No, no, you might die to sins and live for righteousness. He died for your sins. You're going to die to sins. You're, he died for your self-life. You're going to die to your self-life. What's going to happen then? And by his wounds that took place, there's going to be a release of his grace, work of his spirit. You have been healed. Spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, physically. Come on, the release of the promises of God are ours through the cross. And then the last one is to present the work of Jesus, excuse me, the present work of Jesus is to transform me and transform you by the gospel through the Holy Spirit in every area of my life. Now why am I, why are you harping on this, Bob? I'm, I'll tell you why I'm harping on this. I've worked with leaders who have been leaders for 30, 40 years, and I've seen them in situations with other leaders, and they're both acting like a bunch of babies. I mean, you guys have read the Bible 50 times. You, you know the Greek. You know the Hebrew. You've built churches, and you can't, you can't solve this thing. You can't solve this. Just get a grip. You've lost the priority of what Jesus is all about. Romans 8, 29. You know the Christian band-aid, Romans 8, 28. That's what, the, you know, someone's hurting. Don't worry, brother. All things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. Come on, all things work together. Don't worry, it's a band-aid. But what is the good? The good is verse 29. Here it is. For those God foreknew, he also predestined, he chose you. We won't get into what basis he did. He chose you. Everyone say, I'm chosen. I'm wanted. Come on. To be conformed, to be squeezed, to be molded to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's kind of dealing with a guy who's really kind of got off theologically. He's really into angels and the, how superior angels really will be even to man in eternity. And no, 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 they'll be subject to men. We are joint heirs with Jesus. 
We're royal. We're the whole focal point of God. They're ministers to help us. They're servants of God to help us. We'll judge angels. God wants to fix us to become who he says that we are. Now, how do I implement this to come to a place of wholeness? How do I do it deeply? How do I do it daily? First, I need to celebrate the grace, with great, the grace of, God with, uh, with, of God with gratefulness, with gratefulness. Never grow tired of the cross. Start your prayer life in the morning. Thank you that I can even say hello to you. Thank you, Lord, I can call you Father today. Remember Jesus talked about two guys in Luke 18 that came into the temple. One said, I'm, thank God I'm not like that publican. And there was a publican that beat his chest. And he said, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, the latter one went away justified. I don't come to you by merit. I don't come to you by my works. I don't come to you about what I achieved. I don't come to you because of my talents. I come to you from the finished work of Jesus. And I'm just going to spend a little time here starting off just saying thank you. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for putting up with me. I had a prophecy when I was 22. I was a mess, but a Christian. The prophecy went like this. I've been long-suffering with you. Now, I don't know about you, but when God and everything else came to pass in that prophecy, when God says, I have been long-suffering you know, towards you, it's not a compliment. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. The second is reflect upon and imitate Jesus continually. It's Jesus. It's not just trite. It's Jesus. Jesus doesn't point us to the revelation of God. Jesus is the revelation of God. He is. He is the message. He is the focal point. He is the center. It's Jesus. The Bible says God spoke to us in the book of Hebrews in various ways and forms to our fathers, through the prophets, has now in these days spoken to us through his son, who is the expressed image of his person. He is the image of God. Jesus said, you see me, you've seen the Father. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word tabernacled among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. It's Jesus. You know that, we sang that song from the album, Gardens to Graves, I mean, Graves to Gardens, I mean, <laughs> get that right. But there's, a, there's a song, there's a what part of the song in the live album is where they're singing, what would you do if he walked into the room? Real simple lyrics, you know, it's just, what would you do if you walked into the room? And you keep singing it over, and just his sister's just doing it, just moving my heart. What would you do? It's about Jesus. It really is about Jesus. Reflect and imitate on him. Lord, I want to be like you. I want to embrace you. I want to follow you. I want to be conformed to your image. I want to be like you. Embrace your humanity. Come on, you'll enjoy yourself more if you just embrace that you're broken. Embrace that you're weak and God moves through weakness. 
when I was first a youth pastor, I was in an outstanding church, and I mean, they had high expectations of me. The parents did. I mean, it was a church where, like, you had 2,000 disciples, and so they wanted, you know, they wanted Judas to treat their kids perfectly, and man, you better be in your A game, and and man, I was just like a cub bear with boxing gloves. I was all over the place, dropping the ball, making mistakes, and I was dealing with all the junk in my emotions, and I was a mess. Then one day, I was reading out of Matthew 5, where Jesus said, agree with your adversary quickly. So I said, you know what? Why am I fighting their complaints against me? Why don't I admit it and just recognize that God didn't choose me because of all my qualifications? He chose me because I was unqualified. And that my credentials are my weakness because he gets the glory. And so what I did is people started coming in, chewing me out, and I said, you know, you're absolutely right. They just say cruel stuff like, I don't know why the pastor chose you. It makes two of us. And they didn't know what to do with it. Because we don't know what to do with grace in the church. But you're absolutely right. Let's we'll work on that. How can I improve? My wife's a teacher right now for four months because of a maternity leave. And some parent just wrote her a scathing letter. I said, honey, this is what you do. You call that parent up. And you say, thank you for those insights. I need to partner with you how we can help your child. And I need to come up with a plan with you. Make her your partner, not your, not your enemy. Just hug your cactus. Joy life, joy God. View God as a trainer, not a cuddler. He loves you so much, and he wants to work you, stretch you, fix you, shake you. My wife came back from a CrossFit gym, said, Bob, you're going to love this place. You come. So nine years ago, we started doing CrossFit, and then she bowed out. But one day, she's so nice, she walked in, and there was a guy outside of our gym curled up in an embryo position, recovering from a workout. It was raining outside. It was like January, rain. He was in the mud, curled up in an embryo position. She walks in. She tells our owner and coach, Adam, she goes, there's a guy out there all curled up in an embryo position. Ah, he'll be all right. <laughs> That's Jesus. Okay. They're hurting. No, they're they're going to be okay. They're in pain. They're going to be okay. They're overwhelmed. They're going to be okay. I got this under control. Wait to see what I will produce. Come on, we gotta, we got to know this, that he's a trainer, not a cuddler. A year and a half ago, my son-in-law was on vacation with my third daughter, wonderful young man. He was scheduled to preach in four days. He was a fire plug in. He was the fireball in our church. He was, he was on his way to greatness. And all of a sudden he started feeling dizzy by the swimming pool. He was talking about his sermon and he was going to preach and walked in the living room. He crashed. And he was announced dead 10 minutes later. He had an aneurysm, just blow on the stem of his brain. He didn't know it was there. He was 34 years old. Life's not easy. God's working his plan. I don't know the wise, all the wise, and say this, and he's doing this, doing that. But one thing my daughter can't say, she says, you know, it wasn't that God had a plan for my life and I landed. That didn't give me any comfort. 
wasn't that, you know, God has sovereignty, He's in control of everything. That didn't bring me any comfort. What brought me comfort is God was weeping with me. That He was in the fire with me. My life is not easy. I work with the church in Muslim countries. I'm going to be taking your pastor with me. I'll be discussing the trip with him while I'm here. Where being a Christian means a high probability that you can be martyred. God's not a cuddler. He's out on a mission, but he loves you. He's dad. And everything he does that seems even unfair or fair, it's, it's going to bring ultimate glory to him. That's good. And then live in transparent community that's dedicated to growth. And when we're dedicated to growth, we don't have third person in our vocabulary. We don't talk about them. We don't talk about those. We don't talk about that guy. We talk about us. Not in a bragging way, but where I fall short. What I need to do. Where I need to grow. Where I have failed. What I struggle with. I. So Jesus, help us to embrace the cross. You saved us. You love us, even though we're a bunch of little rascals. And you're transforming us into the image of your son. I want to be like you, Jesus. I know that who I'm talking to, they want to be like you. So I pray, Lord, that we will just open ourselves up, let you stretch us, shape us, heal us, touch us. Lord, let us not be afraid. Let us not be afraid to come out of hiding and say, Lord, make us an instrument. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Church, can you say amen? What a wonderful, wonderful word. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to close out like we normally do. The worship team is just going to take us to part of a song. And we're just going to let the Spirit of God speak to you right where you are. You can worship. You can hear the voice of the Lord. But I, I so appreciate uh, that message from Pastor Bob. Those of you that are in the leaders meeting, uh, we're going we're gonna to begin here in 10, 15 minutes. If you will be gathered back here in the sanctuary, and I'll give you some instructions for this afternoon. But I, I'm telling you, that was a tremendous way to close out this series of Below the Surface. And I just appreciate those of you that's been here for the whole series. If you haven't, it's, it's online on our YouTube channel. You can get the app. But we really believe God has taken us to a place of healing. How many can say, I, I don't know how to define this, but I think I feel better. I think I feel better. I think God has done some things in me over these weeks, and I just believe God is with us. So, Father, we're asking for your grace as we close out this time in our time of ministry and in our singing of worship, Lord. We pray that you will be with us and help us. And as we go from here to our various places, Lord, you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.